Hello and welcome to the Tech Unplugged podcast. I'm your host, Max Montilaro. I'm joined today by my partner in crime, Ariane Timmerman. Hello, Max. Hello, Ariane. And we have here a very, very special guest. I think uh, the father of all storage podcasts, if I can say it that way, we have here Howard Marks, the real one, the deep storage, not the, the guy which was a, a con artist or whatever. So hello and welcome, Howard. Hello, gentlemen. And luckily for me, the former cannabis smuggler, Howard Marks, passed away. So I no longer get confused with him. <laughs> uh, amazing. Okay. Uh, I mean, amazing. It's good for you that you're alive and it's bad for him that he's dead. But uh, <laughs> life is full of surprises. So it's, Howard. It's the great circle of life. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Howard, I mean, the great thing today is we have a very senior uh, podcast guy uh, with us. So we're like a bit even, I would say, nervous about that. But we, we'll, uh, we'll eventually get in the mood of the other Howard Marks. So, uh, Howard, what about uh, you would introduce a bit yourself and explain us, you know, where you are now and what's up? Because I think you, you crossed the line. Uh, I did. Cro- yeah. For the, for, the for, first, for the first time in my very long career, I'm now working for a storage vendor. Um, Vast Data had a very interesting story to tell, and I decided to come on and help them tell the story. Well, so Vast Data is what I like to call a third-generation all-flash storage system. The first generation we had in a violin memory and TMS and that was all about performance. Yeah. And there were no services and nobody cared about anything but how fast it was. Um, and uh-huh. then along came everybody else who said, you know, we still need all the goodness of a disk array, even though it's fast. And they built what were the equivalent of the disk arrays of 2005 in Flash. And made them smarter at the same time, don't get me wrong, but they added snapshots and replication and then some data reduction to make it affordable. But their goal was to provide a high-performance platform for OLTP. And so that was very high degrees of small random reads and writes to a relatively small amount of data. And as a result, a storage architect had to build in his data center tiers of storage because they couldn't afford petabytes and petabytes of all flash arrays, but they had petabytes and petabytes of data. So you have all flash arrays for OLTP and conventional and scale out NASs for some of your unstructured data and object stores for other of your unstructured data. And Vast data's universal storage is designed to be one all-flash storage solution that covers that pyramid or spectrum of use cases. So we perform well enough for your applications that need performance. We scale to exabytes. And we cost like disk-based systems. And I know you guys have sat in storage field day with me and heard vendors say, flash at the price of spinning disk before. And those vendors were saying, we can sell you flash 
for what you pay for 15k RPM spinning disks. And that's not what we're saying at VAST. What we're saying at VAST is we can sell you flash for what you're paying for 7200 RPM spinning disks, the 10 and 12 terabyte big cheap suckers. By having one storage system that's all flash, now your cooler data is available for analysis. We're everything online, no near line, no offline, and that way you can glean more value from your data. So Howard, then, uh, I mean, there, there's a bunch of things to, to talk about, but talking about that, so it means that you're presenting as a, um, by the way, is it, is it file-based or is it block-based? It, it's file and object as peers. Okay. And so you're presenting that, I mean, as a, a kind of, as a, as a flat kind of storage where you don't have any kind of tiers whatsoever and you get the performance you need based on whatever you're putting there. Is that correct? We, yes. Tiers are not something that's inherently desirable. We only have tiers because we can't afford to put all of our data in tier one. And so we have to cost justify, you know, the, Lower tiers all exist because of cost. So we say no tiers, no copying data up and down. And we all know that tiers are problematical. The data you want to process is always in the wrong tier at some point in time. <laughs> if, if we have automated tiering, then it's better. All you get is unpredictable performance because the tiering system last night set up all the data you accessed yesterday in flash, but today's the end of the month, so you're accessing different data, and you get performance that isn't as good as you got yesterday, because yesterday you did pretty much the same thing you did the day before. With manual tiering, you have to build jobs that say, copy all of this data from the object store to the scratch space, run a Hadoop job on it, and then copy the results back. Mm -hmm. With one tier, you always get the same performance. You never have to copy anything. Life's simpler. Why have more than one? Okay. Absolutely. So can, can you tell us, Howard, about how this is, how this is achieved? Because, I mean, you, you talked about, you know, getting uh, uh, flash, flash performance at the price of uh, spinning these high-capacity spinning disks. I mean... There, there has to be some, some magic or rather some, some serious engineering behind that, well, right? Well, well, let me, let me, let me ask the same question and then ask what's the caveat, what, what's the trick behind it all? What is going on? Okay. So first of all, the other part of being a third generation all flash array is the vast system is a clean slate design. And it's designed around 2018 technologies. 3D crosspoint SSDs, NVMe over fabrics, and QLC flash. So QLC flash means we can buy flash cheaper than vendors who use MLC or TLC flash because we cram, we use the stuff the vendors cram more bits in. The downside to cheap flash is low endurance. 
And so we have to treat that flash very carefully to make sure we don't wear it out. Mm -hmm. the, the key to treating the QLC flash very carefully is the 3D crosspoint. 3D crosspoint holds all of the metadata and acts as a huge write buffer. Be and by huge, I mean multiple terabytes in a s the smallest configuration we sell. Okay. And that means we can assemble very wide erasure code stripes from 40 plus 4 to 150 plus 4. Because we have the space in that cross point to assemble that wide stripe. The stripes are also very deep. We write data to the SSDs in multiples of the erasure block size of the SSDs. So the controller in the SSD doesn't have to move data around and do garbage collection and create write amplification. So we write data in big strips that we have, and we can write big strips because we have the cross point. We reduce the data better than anyone else does because we have the time that big cross point write buffer provides, right? Data comes into the system, we write it to cross point on multiple SSDs, and then we acknowledge to the application. So we have as much time as we want to do a really good job compressing and deduplicating and reducing the data before we write it down to that QLC flash. A lot of other vendors take data, they reduce it somewhat in line, and then they have a second process that comes around and deduplicates or reduces that data further. The problem with that is you write to the flash twice for every time you're writing once. That introduces flashware. That means those vendors have to use more expensive SSDs with more over-provisioning, and they can't match us in terms of efficiency. So. We start with new erasure codes that let us do these wide stripes. But if I'm writing 150 plus four stripe and an SSD fails, I only have to read a quarter of those 150 SSDs to rebuild the data. Conventional erasure codes, I'd have to read all 150 of them which is why other vendors don't use stripes that wide. The penalty on an erasure code, on a SSD failure is too big. Our codes let us go wide and still only use a small fraction on the rebuild. And what's the technology that you use to perform such large stripes and, and, and make fast um, so much different from the other vendors? Well, so architecturally, we have a disaggregated system. We call the architecture disaggregated shared everything. So we have vast servers. That it's the software-defined storage software runs in Docker containers. Frankly, our customers buy them as appliances because they want the support. <clears throat> but they're Docker containers. 
when customers want to run them other ways, we can accommodate that. And those vast servers do the protocol work. They provide NFS and S3 and soon SMB interfaces. They manage the file system, but they don't hold any data and they don't hold any metadata or system state. The metadata and system state is all in the vast enclosure, which is an HA NVMe over fabrics JBOF. So it's connected to InfiniBand or 100 gigabit ethernet. The vast servers are connected via NVMe over fabrics over that 100 gig ethernet or InfiniBand. And every SSD in every enclosure in the cluster simply appears as an SSD to the software in every vast server. So when a user makes a request to write a file via NFS or to write an object via S3, <clears throat> the single vast server he connected to processes the protocol writes the data to Crosspoint and updates the metadata in Crosspoint. And you can scale the vast servers and the enclosures independently. So if you have a lot of cool data, you can add more enclosures and more capacity without spending money on compute power to run services you don't need. If you have, on the other hand, a very busy system, you can add more vast servers and increase the performance and increase the compute power available to do things like data reduction. And data reduction is the second piece of secret sauce because we don't do conventional compression and deduplication. <clears throat> Instead, we do global compression based on similarity. So in a conventional deduplication system, you break data up into chunks. And if two chunks contain the same data, you only store one copy of the data and you replace the second one with a pointer. The problem is deduplication only works if the two chunks are exactly the same. <clears throat> if there's one byte difference in a 16K chunk, the system stores 16K. Okay, it stores 16K compressed, but still probably 8 to 12K. Instead of running a strong hash like SHA-1 that's designed to identify uniqueness, we run a different set of hash functions that generate hash values that reflect the similarity of the data in the blocks. If two blocks generate almost, excuse me, if two blocks generate the same hash, then they have almost the same contents. And we take the two blocks and we compress them together. Since they have almost the same contents, they'll compress together very well because they'll use the same compression dictionary. And then we store the differences. So, Local compression finds very short pieces of repeating data, the nulls that pad out 
fields in an Oracle database, for example. Deduplication finds duplicates that are exactly the same size as a block. By using similarity, we eliminate <clears throat> repetitions in the data that are bigger than local compression would reduce or that are repeating what was in the original block, but smaller than deduplication. And so that combination gives us higher degrees of reduction that reduces costs, which makes us more cost competitive. Uh, I'll make sure to add in the, uh, in the transcript of the article uh, of, the, uh, of this podcast, there's an article that you've been writing about that, which kind of highlights very well and visually uh, yeah, all I'm, that you were seeing. Right? I, I'm in the middle of a series of blog posts on the vast site explaining the technology. So uh, we'd appreciate a pointer to that, yes. Yeah, and sure. uh, are you posting that on uh, on deepstorage.net or is it going to be on the Vast website? It's on it's on the Vast website. So, which is vastdata.com, vast right? Vastdata.com, yes. Great. And then there's a blog link, and that will take you to what we're talking about. Great. There is there <clears> is <throat> a third secret, and that's that our please tell, <laughs> and, and that's that our systems are vast. And I was going exactly to that. I was wondering, you know, you were talking about, because you know, scaling massively. And, and, and so it's great to, to understand later on uh, what kind of customers you're having as well. But I'll let you talk about the, the vast systems. Well, so Sorry for the interruption. a single enclosure <clears throat> has 3D crosspoint, which we don't count towards capacity, and 675 terabytes of QLC flash. Add in data reduction and, you know, basically for most applications, that's a petabyte or more of user data. That means we can wear level across 600 plus terabytes of flash on the smallest system. As the system grows, we get to amortize all the rights that users do across bigger and bigger pools of flash. And this is economies of scale. If you have 600 terabytes of flash, one application that's overwriting a terabyte or 10 terabytes of data two or three times a day isn't creating serious wear across the entire pool of flash. Getting down to the cost of spinning disks means you have to have enough scale to be able to take advantage of it. What are the customers for this? And so the, the first round of customers are people who have data-intensive applications. So we're seeing folks in genomics. We're seeing machine learning and artificial, deep learning, artificial intelligence. And and machine learning is a great example of where tiers are really horrible because every time if you're building self-driving cars or facial recognition systems, every time you retrain the algorithm, you feed it all of your data. If some of your data is on spinning disk and you have to promote it to scratch space to run a retrain, you may only tr run training once or twice a week 
if all of your data is in one tier, it's all available to for access all the time. So you know, there's life sciences and genomics, there's machine learning and artificial intelligence, there's media and entertainment, you know, the guys who make animated movies and CGI special effects crank a lot of data through their systems very fast. Um, and there's the hedge fund guys who are doing machine learning on <clears throat> stock market or other financial market data and are looking to make money with it. Uh, we're also seeing some customers interested in using us as a backup target because the existing purpose-built backup appliances are predominantly disk-based. And so they back up fast, but they restore slow because rehydrating the data is a very random access kind of thing. And so we're seeing people who are interested in fast restores and are willing to go to all flash appliances for backup. As we add more enterprise features like SMB and replication, the idea is that people will, re will replace in the enterprise data center three or four different tiers of storage with one universal storage system and simplify their lives. I suppose that you can have a very large uh, system, let's say, physically running vast data, and you can probably kind of cut and slice, right, for different use cases. Well, so we, so <clears throat> because it's large, we anticipated the need for things like multi-tenancy. And so you can say, here's a 20 or 50 petabyte system that I, as a cloud provider, am going to slice up to multiple customers um, and do things like that, sure. Yeah, so that, that really seems to open a lot of possibilities, especially in very large organizations where you need to store many different kinds of data. I mean, you're really getting the economies of scale of uh, leveraging QLC and, uh, and having this flash performance with Crosspoint. That's really great. Right, and, you know, the... The truth is, flash costs more than spinning disks do, even QLC. But data reduction techniques are more, work better with flash because they create a lot of random I.O. And so if your data reduces, then all of a sudden it's like, well, I could get that disk system or I could buy a vast system. They both cost the same amount. And then you get the benefits mm -hmm. of performance. So t talking about, uh, I mean, l looking beyond the, the architecture, what kind of data services you're offering? You already talked about uh, global uh, global deduplication, about compression, about uh, similarity deduplication. So what else so are, in, you, uh, are you offering? In the, in the current release, the data services that we offer are primarily about efficiency. Um, very soon now, we'll be shipping functions like snapshots and then later in the year uh, replication. Okay. So what is the, uh, I think you, you already explained that you have, a, you're selling a, a GBuff appliance. So just a bunch of flash. Uh, what is the, uh, how do we get started? Let's say I, I, I'm interested in your solution. I want to get that in my data center. 
what what do I need? I need to uh, to buy the, the appliances from you, or so, do I need to go to a different partner? So we work through partners, uh, customers like their resellers. We as a vendor love our resellers, so we we work with the channel. Um, we've been selling now six months or so, so not every reseller is signed up with us. Frankly, not every reseller can manage selling petabytes or exabyte scale storage systems, so we're being a little selective. Um, the entry point is one vast enclosure and four vast servers, which we sell as appliances in one of those four server in two use sled things that the HCI guys use. So mm -hmm. one server appliance that's four servers, one enclosure, we provide the 100 gigabit Ethernet switches between them, and you're up and running, and you've got, you know, roughly a petabyte of storage after data reduction if your data doesn't reduce all that well. And mm -hmm. how many U's is that? Uh, Ten U's? Something no, like that? each is two U's, so it's a total of four U. Plus the the the, the switches, switches and that kind of and stuff. And the two switch, and we use um, half with one U switches. So it, so okay. a pair of redundant switches is one more U. So okay. so it's five U. That's crazy. Um, <laughs> but you know, if you want ten petabytes, it's still less. You know, it's still on the order of one rack, depending on yep. your, you know, how many servers we use relative to how many enclosures based on your performance requirements. So, yeah, it's it's very dense. It Because it's very dense, and there's not a huge amount of compute going on. The JBOF just does, N, you know, the enclosure just does NVMe over fabrics. It doesn't run multiple x86s to do data reduction and all of that. So it's an enclosure and the SSDs and four servers. Yeah, that's that's really crazy thinking about it, really. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Can I, can I ask um, yeah, as, a question? As, which as, is, a, uh, as a graybeard, you know, I remember being excited about, oh, look, there's a petabyte data center. And and now and now I'm talking you know, now I'm talking about products where it's you know a petabyte in four or five U, uh, yeah. and and gets denser after that because you know we could really pile on enclosures. Probably yeah. So what what is the uh, can can you talk a bit about some of the largest installations that you have so far or is that uh, top secret stuff? Um, we did tweet one system going out the door on four pallet jacks. <laughs> so okay. so My God. We, okay. we do have a financial customer who therefore I can't say much about um, who has more than five enclosures and the associated servers to go with it. So my God. We're, we're talking about many petabytes of uh, data for doing real-time analytics on. And since all the many petabytes of data are in that one tier, 
they can run a job against any of their data at any time. And when some trader gets an idea that goes, well, maybe pork bellies are going to go up because it's almost Christmas and I'm afraid I can't afford to buy the G.I. Joe with the Kung Fu grip. Then, then he can then yeah. he can run a job and see if the data supports his hunch, without having to go. Huh? I need to look at the last six Christmases pork belly data. That's all in the archives. Let me recall it. Yeah, and 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 the same. You you don't need to do any kind of pre-staging of data if you need to do a run, for example. To if you're doing in in HPC or whatever, if you need to fetch some data to the scratch space. It's just there. It's just ready, and you just go and pull it and use it. Exactly, right? and and people forget that when you have you know high speed scratch and tier three archive, you you're not only going through the work of moving the data up and down, but you're also not able to use the high speed scratch system as high speed scratch while you're loading the new data set into it. So you're paying for that for 365 days a year, but you know two days a week or two nights a week, it's busy loading the data up for the next job, and you can't be running jobs during that period. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a pretty yeah, serious that's... argument. Yeah, yeah, it's it's you know, look, I can write scripts, I can use Ansible, I can do all sorts of things to automate the process, and that may get me down to it only breaks once a month. Um, but anything like that has to be babysat. Yeah. And, Absolutely. and so, you know, let's put people on more important things, have one tier of storage and just process the jobs right away whenever we want. And they call it real time analytics, but it's only real time if the data is available. So, Howard, uh, personal question. Uh, over the course of your long career, you've probably seen a bunch of you know storage solutions and startup pitches and things like that so uh, vast data must have really struck you uh, for you to make the move right well it did really strike me it is a different approach to storage you know basically basically be... every mm -hmm. storage system on the market fits one of three models it's either straight scale up you know two controllers okay for infinidat three and then we add shelves or it's shared nothing scale out where you have to add compute every time you add capacity and because it's shared nothing you always have to be prepared for any component to fail so the failure domains are large. If you have 15, 15 terabyte SSDs in a node in a scale out shared nothing system and a node fails, you got to rebuild 200 terabytes of data. That's a lot of work. And then the third is some combination of, of scale out, scale up where you have two controllers with some limited amount of capacity, and then you can replicate that as a scale-out node. VAST breaks all three models. We separate compute from 
media. So all the compute services run in the VAST server, and the VAST server's stateless. When a VAST server fails, there's no rebuild. The NFS and S3 sessions just attach to one of the remaining VAST servers. If all but one of the VAST server dies, the system keeps running slower, because now it's all bottlenecking at one VAST server. But all the state is stored in the HA enclosure in the 3D crosspoint and the flash. So it's a very different model. And it's a model you couldn't have built with 2005 technology. You know, trying to extend mm -hmm. SAS so that every vast server can see every SSD in every vast enclosure would have been a disaster. We needed NVMe over fabrics to do that. We needed Crosspoint to provide a fast enough place to put that shared metadata because other systems keep it in DRAM and then have batteries or UPSs or supercapacitors to protect the DRAM in case there's a failure. Everything we write goes directly to Crosspoint. We don't need to power protect it. Crosspoint's inherently persistent. So I was attracted to a clean slate design based on the technology available today. And of course, since the guys who've been at VAST longer than I have, started this a couple of years ago, they had to bet. You know, you could look in your crystal ball and go, well, this vendor announced that this is going to happen, and this vendor announced this is going to happen, and this vendor announced that's going to happen. Let's bet that all three are going to happen and build a storage system based on those technologies. And turns out, all three camps, the NVMe over Fabrics camp, Intel and Micron with 3D Crosspoint, and the Flash Foundries with QLC, all delivered those technologies. So we've got a system that works. Yeah, <laughs> I think um, what we need to do is um, just schedule the next one and, uh, and, and, and go from there because, um, yeah, like I said, we can, we can, we can talk for hours and... Um, um, it's still uh, very interesting, but um, yeah, I think uh, we should call it quits uh, for this okay, one. Well, well, let, me, <laughs> let me just take uh, 20 seconds to pitch. Uh, sure. For, for more information, see the Tech Field Day site for our sessions at Storage Field Day, where we came out of stealth, yep. um, and the vastdata.com site, where my blog explaining pieces of the technologies is now running. Absolutely. Hey, Howard, you're, you're getting good at marketing, Howard. That's actually great. <laughs> I, I, I'm not, I mean, I'm not sure great, I should feel job. good about that. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I, I was just about to say, you know, Ariel, if you need to draft the problems. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't need to drop, but um, I think if we go too long, the audience will drop at a, at a certain time um, and it, it might be better to do a next one uh, in a couple of weeks. Absolutely. But the audience has to appreciate this kind of... Uh, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and and to, to, to say a closing word from my side, I mean, besides, of course, thanking a lot Howard for his time, it's, uh, I think that uh, 
the discussion is really interesting. Uh, we, we'll have to continue something about that. But uh, just as an observation, what Howard was saying is really true. We're seeing the, the advent of totally different architectures uh, with NVMe over fabrics, with NVMe drives, uh, with uh, Crosspoint and whatsoever. And the, the thing which is really interesting here in the case of fast data as a, as a closing point for my side is that most of what you see in disaggregated storage these days is really focusing on performance and going with NVMe drives. And VAS is really different in the sense that they're using Crosspoint for the metadata, for the, you know, accelerating the solution and they're using QLC drives. So it's really, uh, it really helps them achieve probably a, a very interesting competitive edge uh, regarding, you know, price uh, and uh, performance as well. So that's that's all from my side. Thanks, Ariane and, uh, and Howard. Thank yeah. you guys for having me. Thank you, Howard. Always good to have you, Howard. Have a good time. Thank you and thank you, Ariane. Bye-bye.